Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Okay, so we'll do Friday at 1230. I'll email Diane and let her know. Okay, great. I can't believe that we're like doing work lunches again. I know. I think we have only had one in the last three years. Yeah. Yikes. I'm out. (laughs) I have to put up makeup. I know. Social things and work things are happening again. I'm not sure I like it. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside of LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of a that is life in Los Angeles. Yes, and today's episode, we have more listener questions. We didn't have time to answer all the great questions that came in in part one of our listener questions episode, so we decided to add a part two. Yes, Sarah, I'm very excited for more questions, and I say we just dive in, yeah? Let's do it, yeah. Okay, Mary asked, I'm wondering if your friends and family ever ask to be extras on your shows when they visit. That's funny. Adam, my husband, the last thing in a million years he would ever want to do is be an extra. He doesn't even want to visit set. I mean, he'll visit us on location, but he has no desire to come to set. Violet's asked to be an extra, hasn't she? Oh, well, no, absolutely. Yes, I mean, extra, but she would like more of a speaking role. Yes, right. Why would you be an extra when you could just be a full character? Yes. Yes, that that is her ambition. But no one else in my family has wanted to do that. I do have friends who want to be consultants, like people who are doctors who will see things and be like, you really need to consult with people. Sarah, now we have had assistants on the show have been extras, and that was super fun. In the pilot of Fantasy Island, there was like a party on the beach, like a bonfire party, and two or three of the assistants on the show were extras and ended up in the cut. So that was really fun. That was great. You and I certainly don't want to be extras just because we don't 
want to see ourselves, son. Okay, then Nicole says, I'd love to hear Liz talk about all things Survivor since she mentioned she's a fan and still watches. Liz, this is big. All things Survivor. Yeah, no, I don't think I can <laughs> um, go into everything about Survivor. I will say, yes, I love Survivor. I have seen every single season of Survivor, every episode of every season. I absolutely love the host, Jeff Probst. I feel like hosts of shows like this do not get enough credit. Ryan Seacrest, you know, Sarah, I think is way underrated by many people. Jeff Probst, I think, is so smart. And he really manages to feel like he's rooting for every single person, which is also the same thing Ryan Seacrest does. And I think that's a real talent. And I think that makes the show more enjoyable because it makes you more invested in every single contestant. Well, and he's also the showrunner now, isn't he? I mean, isn't he kind of in charge of Survivor? Well, he has a lot to do with the behind the scenes, I think. Yeah. And then one thing I appreciate about Survivor is that it does evolve with the times. Like, Mm. it recognizes changes in culture and it does try to reflect that and be responsible about that, which I appreciate. One thing just interesting to note, because you and I are always talking about budgets, I have noted that whereas Survivor used to go all around the world, now it's always in Fiji. So clearly they have a deal there. They have stuff built yes. there. They have sets that they bring out. They repeat games. Obviously, I think that is a financial decision. So I just think it's kind of interesting to point that out since we're always talking about that kind of thing. It doesn't just yeah. impact us. It impacts reality shows as well, even one as successful as Survivor. Sarah, I have to mention one other thing, which I think I've mentioned before, <laughs> Which is that one of my favorite all-time memories is you and me watching the Survivor season one finale on videotape, having taped it the night after we finished our first freelance episode of television that we ever got paid for. Yes, yes. And uh, to be fair, I think it wasn't videotape. It wasn't that long ago. I'm pretty sure it was TiVo. Remember TiVo? No, it was a, we taped it. No, Yes. I wonder if we still have it somewhere. Knowing you, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I don't know, Sarah. It was bef- right before TiVo, I believe. Wow. That was the era when I yes. got TiVo and thought yes. it was the best thing in the world. And, and by the way, still do. I still wish we had TiVo. TiVo is still the best recording system we've ever had. <laughs> okay. Jennifer says, besides Mad Men, which TV shows do you think are good examples of excellent writing for television? Well, there are so many. Yes. I'm Because there are so many, I'm going to keep it to two. Okay. As you know, I think Friday Night Lights is the best TV show ever to be created. And I think the writing on that show is just beyond phenomenal. And then, and I'm going to say this, even though we did work on the show, (laughs) The Shield, which existed for several seasons without us. So I'm not just patting ourselves on the back. I think the writing on that show was so smart and so great. And the decisions that were made were so huge and and profound and and really daring in a lot of ways so i i think the shield yeah now the shield i will say sarah is one of those shows if you went back and watched it now one it would still be excellent but you wouldn't realize how 
bold it was because now so many shows, True. you know, have an anti-hero at the center and deal with all these kind of topics. Back then, it was much more unusual and groundbreaking. Yes. Which is one reason why you and I were just desperate to write on that show and finally got to do it starting season four. I mean, there are so many. I will add, of course, The Sopranos. Ugh. Yes. Some of the first few seasons of Game of Thrones, the dialogue, just unbelievably good. I mean, there's different elements of good TV writing. There's great story, and then there's great dialogue. Transparent, which was a half hour on Amazon, I think had just some incredible writing. So, I mean, there's just so many. But I'll just stick with you, Sarah, and say, go back and watch The Shield. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And Claire says, do you feel like having the podcast has furthered your careers? You know, it's a funny question. And we actually debate this between ourselves. I don't I don't really know. What I will say is having a platform, unless it completely backfires on you, (laughs) is always a good thing. I mean, I think one way that Sarah may have could further our careers, has or could still in the future, is that people might listen who we don't know are listening, and then maybe they'll have a show, maybe they'll have a property, maybe they'll reach out to us. I mean, I think that we're known to more people than we realize, more writers, because of the podcast. Yes. Like, I think, for example, there are assistants listening right now or staff writers or story editors who very likely could someday be like, oh, yeah, those people aren't horrible. I want to hire them on my show. Yeah. Or, Which would be nice. <laughs> and or might say if a show is staffing or if they're an assistant in a development office, say, oh, that, um, you know, Craft and Fane would be good for that. Yeah. So I think it helps us in that way. I think being known is always a good thing. And hopefully we seem like we know what we're talking about, which can be reassuring to those doing the hiring, both executives and writers. So I'd say yes, it has furthered our career in ways we might not even realize. (laughs) Ellen says, you often mention not having an office. Is this a choice you made for now or has Fox not offered to provide a workspace? Well, it actually be Sony in this instance, because Fox is our network, but Sony is the studio and it's the studio who provides the office. Well, initially this was really because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, really for both seasons, it was because of COVID. We were still kind of deep in COVID when the second season got picked up and when we were working on it. And the first season, we technically, I guess, had an office in Puerto Rico because we flew the writing staff there. (laughs) Right. Second season, it was really pandemic related. And we we ended up meeting in your backyard. Yes. If we get a third season, it'll be interesting to see what we do. Yes, because one thing I will say, Sarah, is on a show as lean as ours, you know, that is an extra expense. So you Mm -hmm. look at it and you say, um, is that an expense that's worth it? So it's interesting. I feel like now that people have written on Zoom and done Zoom rooms, 
There may be shows like mini rooms or whatever that decide not to rent an office, which, of course, we love being with everyone. So it's advantages, disadvantages. I feel like a hybrid model would be perfect. But, of course, you can't rent an office just like two days a week. That's the problem, (laughs) isn't it? Yes. And the hard thing is we successfully completed two seasons without a physical space. Yes. So the argument for needing one... uh, is a fairly weak one, <laughs> especially because we don't shoot here and people have to travel to Puerto Rico. So I don't know. It'll be yeah. interesting to see. I hope, I hope we have this discussion I about season three. It's an issue. I do too. Yes. All right. Shannon says, has the great resignation staff shortage seemingly affecting most sectors affected you as Hollywood writers and producers? As producers, Not as writers, I would say, Sarah. I think there's more than enough people who want writing jobs and writer's assistant jobs. But production-wise, so that's all, you know, cameramen and women, grips, set dress, all of that, all on the production side, I feel like we have had a shortage. Now, that's partly just because Puerto Rico has become a very popular place to shoot. And so I think in particular, the pool in Puerto Rico is shallow because there's so many jobs. I don't know if that's really associated with the sort of global work shortage. And I think also, and this kind of has to do with the idea of the Great Resignation, our show is really tough. Our double days, all of that stuff, our hours aren't long, but it's just like the production schedule is is very intense. So I think we have had people who are just like, that's too much. I've dealt with all of these things in a pandemic and a whatever. Why well, I don't want to do that. That sounds really hard. Yeah. And it is. It's a legitimate concern. Absolutely. But I do think we're less impacted by it than other industries. For sure. One funny way kind of it comes out, Sarah, for instance, is wanting to get a food truck on set or something, you know, where it's like, well, it's hard to get a food truck right now. I mean, things that you don't think about or wanting to get a certain prop and there's it's hard to get things shipped. It's it's sort of that tangential impact. Coming up, our listener Susan wants some tips. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, Sarah, we are back with more listener questions. And this is interesting. It comes from Susan. She says, I am in technology marketing and have to give input on customer stories, videos, etc. Storytelling is so important with added challenge of translating technical benefits to customer value. Any tips? Well, I'd say a few things. One, keep it simple. Keep your story mm. simple. Whatever you're trying to put forth like one message and then add in the technology part of it, right? But when you're trying, because you, uh, something emotional and easy to relate to in the storytelling is fine. You don't need to make it complicated. See, that's what I was going to say too, because I think about Fantasy Island, where our goal is to just have one simple, visceral human thing that everyone gets. Yes. And that's the other thing. Keep your stories visceral, things that everyone can relate to. Don't make them what we call thinkers, <laughs> where it sounds really kind of interesting and complicated, but the person watching it is going to have to think about it to understand. You want it to just be like a gut punch. By gut punch, I don't mean something bad. I just mean that it's like instantly gotten. Well, it's sort of like the Folgers commercials, you know? Like, remember the old Folgers commercials? There was just something about them that you immediately were like, oh, and then they made you cry. Absolutely. Just something very simple and basic but that connects to your technology. I mean, you're, I'm sure you're already doing this, by yes. the way. <laughs> We're just, but I mean, she asked for tips, so. And then just in general, production value is so important. And there are so many ways to shoot now that are inexpensive, but look really phenomenal. So unless you're doing something where the production value is really bad on purpose to make some kind of point, it's like, People, I think, get very distracted now when production value isn't very good. I think about, like, the videos we used to watch in college about, like, you know, this is inappropriate behavior. And you'd be right. like, oh, my God, this is so terrible. Like, and again, I'm sure you're already doing this. The the sophisticated or the level of sophistication in terms of production value, I think, needs to be pretty high these days. Yes. And sound, as we know from Chuck, our yes. executive producer. <laughs> get that sound. <laughs> But yeah, I think always Joss Whedon, who we worked for, said, and we've said this many times on the podcast, emotion and clarity above all else. Of course, later when we said that to him, he didn't remember saying that, but he said, that sounds <laughs> like something I would say. And so I think if you look at the stories in your videos, just think emotion and clarity above all else, yes. and you will have good videos. Okay, Liz, then Maria asks, what are some of your favorite international, especially non-English language shows? I'm really trying to expand my television diet of shows outside the U.S. and the U.K., even though I still love many American and British shows. A few of my favorite non-English language shows so far are Borgen and Babylon Berlin. Do you have any additional suggestions? Mm. Mm. Well, Sarah, we both really liked Squid Game, 
which is a Korean show, K-drama, and is an international sensation. So definitely watch Squid Game. In general, I I feel like K-drama is a really great place to look. We did an adaptation of a show called My Love from Another Star. Uh, We wrote a pilot many years ago. The show was so great. We watched the entire show. Yes. And it was incredibly entertaining. So look in the K-drama world. Yes. There's also The Agent, which is a French show, which is more of a comedy, which is fantastic. And then, Sarah, you watched the... Scandinavian shows. Yes, I like the depressed detective Scandinavian bleak shows. I can't even think of the name of any of them, but it's sort of a genre that I enjoy. And then, of course, Liz, Clan, the original of the new Sharon Horgan show that's coming out. What's called Bad Sisters? It's out, yes. Um, it's out. Oh, yeah. I've been out of town. I finally get to watch it. I'm so excited. Anyway, the original version of that, which is... Flemish, Belgian, is so great. So great. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because now there's access to these shows. I mean, one thing I was discussing um, with a friend, Sarah, is that the global nature of people watching shows is going to change our industry yet again. Because for a long time, you wouldn't consider, oh, watch Squid Games, watch The Agent. Now it's like people are willing to do that. So I think it's going to kind of shake things up over the next 10 years. I hope so. This comes from Katie. She said, I really enjoyed your listener questions episode. Well, thanks. We're having another one right now. A question I have (laughs) long wanted to ask you was touched on in this episode. My question is, is there a place in TV for senior level writers of great talent and creativity who don't have the interest, skill, personality to be a showrunner? In my mind, writers and producers slash project managers are often such different types of people. I hate to think of the stories we might be missing because a great writer can't also run a show. Well, yes. I mean, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I think a lot of people don't want to be showrunners because, as you said, it's a very different job from just the writing side. Here's what's hard, though, Sarah. Those people can be amazing writers. It's hard, though, to create a show and not be the showrunner. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I mean, or at least be sort of a co-showrunner, deeply involved collaborator. I mean, you can pair up with someone, but that can be either amazing or fraught and awful. Like, there's kind of no middle ground, I think. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you know, it works or it doesn't. Yes. I mean, there's people that I think you and I could pair up with who, if they are an amazing writer, but they don't want to sort of deal with production and deadlines and all of that, we could help them carry out their writing vision and they could only write. But that has to be someone who there's just this, you know, mutual understanding, trust, respect, Because what makes it difficult is that the showrunner is, in theory, the person who ultimately has the say over the script. In that case, you'd have to make that person sort of in charge of the script. But yes, 100%. Okay, Valerie says, since Sarah mentioned, she's been binging a lot of shows to catch up on a few years of pop culture. I wondered what your favorites are. What TV shows of the last couple years do you recommend? It's always interesting hearing your perspective on this as showrunners. Well, I will say right now I'm really into the second season of Only Murders in the Building. I just find the show to be so 
delightful and not complex. Like it's just an easy watch that's very entertaining. I think we've talked about how much we love Barry. I loved Yellow Jackets. Um, I was really loving Gordita Chronicles, which recently got canceled, which totally sucks. Um, and I'm super excited to watch Bad Sisters, which I have not yet had a chance to watch. What about you, Liz? Well, recently, Sarah, I loved Loot, which stars Maya Rudolph on Apple+. Plus. Love my friend Amy Harris's show, The Wilds. And then, Sarah, I'm going to come out and just say it. I'm coming down firmly in favor of House of the Dragon. Okay. I'm excited to watch that one, too. For anyone who doesn't know, and it's hard to imagine how you couldn't know, it's the um, Game of Thrones spinoff that takes place hundreds of years before Game of Thrones. And I am into it. I am into it. I watched the second episode, and I am... Totally in. You already warned me that I'm going to have an issue with the hair because I am like super sensitive to wigs on TV and uh, it's going to be like all those blonde wigs, but I'm just going to like try to zen out and accept it and not let it distract me. Yes, it will distract you, but hopefully not (laughs) so much that you can't watch the show. Okay, good. Oh, and the other show that I really want to watch is The Bear. Yes. Have you watched that? Not yet, but it is like, yes, it is on my list. Sarah, first I had to watch Selling the OC, which is the (laughs) spinoff of Selling Sunset, and um, Indian Matchmaker. I'm almost done with Indian Matchmaker, and then I will watch The Bear. Okay. I didn't even include reality shows in this because, you know, too many, too. Okay, Blair says, I've been writing and marketing for a while. Think social media marketing, blogs, ghostwriting, etc. But I have an idea for a Netflix limited docuseries. How do I go about pitching this when I have never written a treatment? Is there a book I can read? Thank you. Boy, this is a tough well, the f- question. <laughs> yes. I mean, the first thing I would say is don't write a treatment yet. Try to find a producer who does reality and non, you know, who does docu-series. Because ultimately, they're the people who are going to be able to develop something with you and move it forward if this isn't your area. Right, Liz? Yes. I mean, really what I would say is if you want to be doing docu-series, you should really just try to get a job working in the, in docu-series. You're kind of putting the cart before the horse here. It is yeah. extremely difficult to go pitch anything when you're not in the business. And I and I get you're a writer and you could very well get in the business and get to that point. The, it's just not the way it happens. I mean, Sarah, when you and I moved here, we were told, well, you do this and then you get this. And we're like, no, we'd rather just write our own show. We don't really want to yeah. go on someone else's mm-hmm. show. And I mean, we were so green that we thought that was, you know, possible. It wasn't. So what I would say is look at your interest in this and maybe move that direction. And then you could support yourself while you're trying to do that with your writing in uh, marketing, hopefully on the side or pursue both at the same time is what I would say. Yeah, that's great advice because it's it's the same thing. As we tell people who have ideas for a fiction TV show, for a drama or a comedy, yes. if you're not already in it, 
it's very hard to sell an idea because everyone has ideas. Everyone who's already in the business has ideas and they're working on their own ideas. Yes. So having them go, oh, your idea is better than mine is a very high bar. Yes. And as you know, I'm listening to an essay about writing by Ann Patchett right now. And I mean, the thing is like, the idea is not the hard part. The, the, right. the execution is really what it all comes down to, which is what you just said, but I'm just repeating it and agreeing with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, fun question. Finally, Sarah Catherine wants to know Mac or PC? We are Mac people. Solidly Mac. Yes. Coming up, we've got a Hollywood hack that comes out of Sarah's recent travel that first this break. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. I am so excited about this hack, I have to tell you. So before I went on my recent trip to Europe, we went to London, Stockholm, and Paris. Everything is so busy now. You have to like get tickets in advance at a certain time and blah, blah, blah. So I got all these tickets to all these things with all these QR codes and and those little white line, white and black line codes, whatever those are called. <laughs> and, and it was like, how am I going to keep track of this? I don't want to print them all. So what I did is I did screenshots of everything. And then I made a photo album of those screenshots specifically for the trip. Such a good so idea. when I got to Windsor Castle, I could just go flip, flip, flip. Here's my QR code for getting into Windsor Castle. And it was such a game changer. I mean, everybody has probably their own system for organizing these things. But for me, it worked 
so well. That is fantastic. I know, Sarah, I've recently started doing um, the thing where you get your digital boarding passes and put them in the yeah. Apple wallet. Huge. And that is just so easy and, and a game changer as well, not worrying about getting boarding passes. So I am yes. all for this. Okay, a photo album of QR codes. And then I can just delete the whole album. Now that I'm so home, good. I can just be like, boop, gone. Technology is great when it works. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for all the great questions and thanks for listening. Please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sankola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sankola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Kraft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, how is Violet's jet lag? Well, of course, much better than mine. (laughs) I, like, for the first few days we were back, hit a just crazy wall at, like, 4 o'clock and would just, like, be flat for the rest of the day. She's totally fine till bedtime, but then she's waking up really early, which is like, oh, my God. Well, I notice you've been turning off your notifications, your sound notifications um, at various hours. So that's how I track your um, recovery. (laughs) From the Onward Project.